back to the second hour of Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I hope you all enjoyed your Thanksgiving. I am particularly thankful for books. And I want to tell you about some new books that have been released. Um, Releasing this week is Katie Bryant's A Shepherd's Christmas Carol, because it is that time, folks. Um, Melissa McClone's His Christmas Family. Uh, Deborah Webb's Ryan. Joe Clifford, The One That Got Away. Claire Fullerton's Morning Dove. She was a guest last week. J.R. Backlund released Down the Broken Road. I love the name of that book. Eve Wing, Chasing Rainbows, New York City. And, of course, there's a new book that came out about 30 days ago called Record Scratch by J.J. Hensley. J.J. is my guest today. He has been on this show before. Um, most notably, his first when his first book came out, Resolve. Um, he has an interesting story to tell, and I, I kind of dished a little bit about it on my Facebook page, that J.J. and his wife used to listen to audiobooks on their way to work, and he would get angry when they got it wrong when it came to police procedurals or whatever. And um, his wife threw down the gauntlet and said, well, if you can think you can do better, go ahead and do it. So it took him a little while. But sure enough, his first book, Resolve, was one of the best ones I had read that year. I'm proud to welcome back to the show author J.J. Hensley. Hi, J.J. Happy Thanksgiving. Ah, Happy Thanksgiving to you. Thanks for having me on. It's my pleasure. I love talking to you. I saw you not too long ago, just in September. Yes, AfterCon. Yes. So, and I, unfortunately you did not get a great uh, amount of time to talk because I think Michael Connolly walked and kind of distracted it, but, but I'm going to try to make up for it. Okay. Um, it being bumped by Michael Connolly is never, never anything to be ashamed of. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Listen, I, I, as you can see, I turned completely fangirl idiot. Um, when he walked in, I was just so surprised that he actually came into the into our uh, open mic there. It was really cool. But that doesn't diminish the fact that you have a new book called Record Scratch. And this is the second one in, in Trevor Galloway, which may be turning out to be a series character for you. Yes? Yes. Um, I've got, uh, I actually got the third one already written the first one is bold action remedy and it came out last october and then record mm-hmm. scratch just came out and uh the next one is forgiveness dies and it will come out hopefully next october so that's uh becoming wow. a, people have really responded to that character and he he's become my favorite protagonist that i've created out of any of my books so so I've, i think he's going to stick around a while um i'm I am always fascinated every time I read one of your books because you have a very interesting take on the way you do your chapters and so on. Um, let's start with Resolve first because that book to me really defined who you were as a writer. Would you tell listeners a little bit about Resolve, your, your debut novel? It was uh, set against the backdrop of the Pittsburgh Marathon, and I wanted to structure it a, in a unique way. So I had it, had the protagonist tell the story through a series of flashbacks, and he did it while running the race. So each chapter is a mile in the race. So it's actually 26.2 
ch- miles rather than chapters. And uh, it became kind of my internal outline, uh, even though it's uh, oxymoron. And that kind of caught on, and people really enjoyed that that structure, and I enjoyed that structure. Structure kind of kept me on track on on what I was doing, and and the where he was in the race, and the terrain, and the 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 kind of the mood of the architecture and the surroundings kind of set the tone for what was going to be in that chapter. And I stuck with that throughout several of my other books. Um, so I've, I've kind of adopted that and that's kind of, I guess kind of become my thing is uh, finding these interesting ways of structuring the books to, to kind of keep myself on on track. And also it it gives the readers kind of something to look forward to to see how I'm going to set set a book up and how I'm how I'm going to structure it and how I'm going to um, kind of outline it for myself as far as going because I don't outline ahead of time I I just set up the structure and then build the story into it. So I want to f- skip over Measure Twice and Chalk's outline and go to bulk, Bolt Action Remedy because this is where you introduce Trevor Galloway, your protagonist. Tell us a little bit about him first, and then tell us about the story. Yeah, Trevor Galloway is a former Pittsburgh narcotics detective, um, and he has fallen on some hard times. And he, when he was a narcotics detective, he had uh, been abducted by a drug gang that he had been investigating. And during his abduction, uh, he had basically been forced to become an addict, um, and he had revealed uh, confidential information, information about informants. Uh, information he had been uh, beaten, uh, he'd been brutalized, and uh, just he'd been through a lot. And and it, it, so he's haunted by this to some extent, and he's got a lot of guilt on on him, and. Uh, he's got some PTSD issues that are left over from this that give him some mental health issues uh, to where he even has some hallucinations from time to time if he does not take his medication. Um, And if he takes his medication, he can't think straight. Um, If he doesn't take it, he's very, very good at his job, which he's no longer a police detective, but he is kind of trying his hand at being a private investigator, unlicensed as it is. Uh, and with Bold Action Remedy, he's asked to look into a cold case in the middle of Pennsylvania uh, for a, a successful businessman ahead of a, a uh, natural resources company who is gunned down on his estate in the dead of winter. And the only way that the crime could have been committed was by somebody who is extremely skilled in two areas, uh, skiing and shooting. And he Galloway shows up to think that this case cannot be that difficult to solve because there's only so many people who in that population that would be able to uh, pull that off with that skill set uh, until the local uh, local police chief shows them that the property at the crime scene backs up to a biathlon training camp. And it's, right. You know anything about <laughs> it's a great biathlon, twist. That's, that's all they do is ski and shoot. Just ski and shoot. Um, so that, that's, that's what – that becomes much more complicated at that point. And he, uh, it, that was 
kind of that was the first opportunity I got to bring back an endurance sport into my writing since Resolve. So I really enjoyed that, and I really enjoyed the character of Trevor Galloway. So Record Scratch, um, he takes on another case, although he really doesn't want to. He's got kind of um, this odd woman who comes to him and says, you know, my my brother was a rock star and he was murdered. And I want you to find out who did it. And I want you to also find this album of some sort that is going to be detrimental to his memory. So what happens? Yeah, he he's asked by the sister of uh, a 80s rock legend named Jimmy Spartan to to look into his murder uh, and also to recover this final album that was uh, he had specially made uh, that is out there and she believes that it is going to harm his legacy because he was he was very famous back in back in his heyday and uh, this last recording he had been suffering suffering from some some issues of his own and she believes that this is going to really harm his legacy if it gets out. And so not only does she want Galloway to solve the murder, but also find this album. Um, so in typical J.J. Hensley writer form, you've taken something because this is an album he's searching for. And how is this mm-hmm. book laid out? It is in the tracks on an album. So they're each each chapter is a track on an album, so it's a song title. And the song title actually hints at the the action that is going to take place somewhere in that um, in that chapter. In that chapter. Yeah. So if the, the mm-hmm. track five, for instance, is complicated, so there's some sort of complication in there. Um, track seven is like a hole in the head, so there's probably something bad is going to happen in that chapter. So, so there's a whole there's a whole album I mapped out for this one. Did, where did you get your song titles from? Were you creating them as you were writing? I created them before I started the story, and then I went back as I wrote the story, and I did take the liberty of modifying a few of them to fit what I was writing. Uh, normally, that gives me the free. That's why I don't outline ahead of time because if I if I outline a plan, I'm the type of person who will stick with that plan even if I have a better idea later. Um, uh. I'm just weird that way. So. So I this gave me the flexibility of I created kind of the the broad ideas in the song titles, but then because uh, I had the general idea of the book, but then I went back and if I had a better song title based on the action in the chapter, I could go back and adjust it a little bit. So I think there was out of out of the twelve tracks, um, I went back and adjusted four or five of them to better song titles on them. That's uh, pretty creative to be coming up with song titles. For you know that aren't real uh, because some books actually have song titles in them that are real from real real singers and all so it's interesting to me. Um, you seem to have found your niche in writing, taking this unusual method methodology or method of preparing your chapters. Um, does your is your wife now still saying yeah prove it? That you can that you can do better than the audio books you used to listen to. She she um she, she she's a tough sell. Um she um she's she's, she's my she's my editor in chief. So she she gets the first crack at the edits. 
So she edits in blood, and then it goes on to the publisher, and they do their edits. But but she she <laughs> she does the first she does the first round of edits, and then and then I you know I I take a lot of them, some I don't take, and then like for instance results. I took a lot, a lot of her edits, and that was, you know, that that was the book that kind of launched me, and it was a, a thriller award finalist for best first novel and all this. So I go, you know, I come back from New York from the award ceremony and from from it being a finalist, and and you know, and she's like, yeah, well, I'm kind of sorry, yeah, I'm sorry you didn't win because it didn't win <clears throat> that year, and. I'm like, hey, I'm, I can't believe that it got published, not much less it got nominated. I'm just thrilled. And she goes, well, you know why it didn't win? And I'm like, well, there was a lot of great books, you know. And she goes, no, it's because you didn't listen to all my edits. Listen. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> awesome. So that's right. <laughs> so, so so yeah, she she she's. She's accepting that I can write, but you know, she still wants me to take she all the credit. She doesn't give you. She doesn't give you a break on it, and that's a good thing. You might need that. Um, the old adage is, "You write what you know." And so, Trevor Galloway is a former cop, and he's um, also does some work. Becomes entangled with anyway, not some work with the Secret Service. You yourself are a former cop and a former special agent with the Secret Service. I know you've explained it to me before. You do something with the federal government. Don't even bother explaining it. I'll never understand it. Um, <laughs> did your experience as a police officer and as a special agent with Secret Service influence the type of books that you want to write? Because they're not necessarily, not, not until now, it didn't overlap with, you know, with your real life. Your books didn't overlap until Trevor. Because I don't recall in the first, the first books that they were police procedurals necessarily. No, they they obviously they deal with uh, they're they've all been crime fiction and they all deal with right. criminal investigation. So I've incorporated that into it. But um, I've actually just now even mentioned Secret Service in any books, because um, I've always shied away from that until uh, Tom Sweaterlick, who's an extremely talented writer. Um, Finally, has convinced me to start incorporating some of that into my writing. But, but um, I've I've it, it's helped me, and I'm it's I'm feeling more comfortable doing some of that and bringing it into my writing. Um, but, and I think it's it's great that I have that background to do that, and I'm very fortunate in that way. Um, but then I, you know, but then I pull in stuff like biathlon and the music business and recording business, and I know nothing about this, so I have to go out <laughs> and do this extensive research, which is the fun stuff. So, uh, so I, I get all these questions like, you know, well, where, when when did you when did you uh, go out and do biathlon? I'm like, I can't even ski, you know. I, and, you know <laughs> when when did you when did you when did you go and do all this music recording stuff? I'm like, I I I. I I had to go ask all these questions, and I, I ended up buying a, a turntable. I, I, you know, I. So I end up. That's the stuff that I enjoy is the the stuff I don't know, um, and doing right. the research on that as well. So, um, it, that being said, I work at the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center in Georgia, so I I'm in a research heaven as far as the law enforcement part as well. So if I have a question about you know, a certain type of ammunition. I call, you know, I can, I can just walk over and talk to somebody over at ATF. If I have a question about something with the NCIS, I got friends over there. So, so I'm, I'm in a very fortunate position. 
So I guess we should kind of explain how you came about writing this. I alluded to it earlier, but if I recall, you listen to audiobooks together and you you on your way to work and you would say, No, 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 no. That's not how it goes. Oh my God, I could do better than that. And so your wife kind of said, quit moaning and start writing. Is that kind of just the simplified version of how your writing career came about? It was really both ways because my wife would be listening to the book and she'd be like, oh, right. the, you know, I didn't, I didn't like that at all. I, you know, I think that they should have done this. And I would be like, well, yeah, I think they could have, you know, I think that author could have made it this way or not made the bad guy all bad, made them more of a gray area because that's one of my pet peeves is when they make the bad guy all bad and the, the good, the good guy all good. Um, it, and it really wasn't – it wasn't so much of her saying, you know, okay, shut up and go right. It was more like, you know, hey, give it a shot, you know, um, and me not listening to her at all because um, I didn't I didn't know I could write. And then uh, just basically just identifying all those trends because we were listening to audiobooks and, uh, during the day. We were reading crime fiction at night, so we were just going through – you know, dozens and dozens of books all the time and just kind of saying, you know, well, you know, if we fix this and fix this and fix this, you know, I bet, bet we could, you know, at least come up with a decent story. And, and eventually she, she refused to, to try writing. She, she said she doesn't have a, the, the, I guess the inclination to, to give it a shot. And I said, well, I'll, I'll give it a shot at, this was years later. I said, I'll give it a shot. And that's when I sat down and gave it a, and uh, gave it a try. Um, so do you listen to your books on audio, by the way, to see how they sound? Um, I have listened to resolve and I think I've listened to them all at one point. Um, it's, it's very weird to do so. It's a surreal experience because then I catch myself being like, oh, I didn't write it in that tone of voice, which makes no sense at all. Um, so it's it's very weird to me to do that, but I have listened to – I definitely have listened to Resolve and Bold Action Remedy, and I think I've listened to Measure Twice and Chalk's Outline. They're all on audio, and Record Scratch will actually be on audio here in a couple months. So uh, I've, I've, I believe I've listened to them all at one point or another, and it is a very, very strange experience for me. It's interesting. We had a – I had a panel – right before Thanksgiving on audiobooks and had an audio narrator on. And we were talking about the different ways that you either hear a book or you read a book and how it affects you. So I've never listened to an audiobook. I, I don't know that I could maintain concentration enough to do that. Um, if I'm not actively involved in the story, I, I don't know if I it would just become background noise to me or not. But I just was interested do you read your dialogue out loud jj when you're writing i i don't say it out loud but I, I i mean i feel like i hear it well when i'm reading it to myself um so i can i hear it in a certain tone of voice and everything so but i i do know people who do read it aloud and they yeah. they seem to think that that works for them um i i don't read it to myself but i i hear it in certain voices in my head when i'm when i'm reading it to myself interesting um so do your colleagues know what you do on the side here? Um, some do. I don't advertise it much, but um, <laughs> some have, have some have found out and, 
and then they're kind of curious and then some are kind of like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe you write a book and then, then they Google you and then they're like, Oh, Oh, you really do write books. And you're, you're not just, you know, printing this out yourself at home on a printer and, and hand it down the street <laughs> corners like some loon. So, so it's kind of, it's kind of like, Oh, Oh no, you're serious. You, you actually have blurbs from people we've heard of and stuff like that. So it's kind of, it's kind of funny when, when, uh, when they learn that you actually write books and, and you know, put together coherent chapters, but, but, um, but I, yeah, I, yeah, I try to keep that work life away from, from uh, the writing life, but it, it does blend sometimes. Huh? Um, you're a notorious joker on Facebook. Is that because you have uh, a very serious job? I have a quirky sense of humor. Um, you do? and, uh, Indeed. I think I think I think the fact that I was with the Secret Service it 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 catches people off guard sometimes because of the stereotype <laughs> and because it, it, because it's it's incredibly hard to find a photo of me where I'm smiling because that's just my stoic nature it's so so when any time I'm sarcastic or self-deprecating on on Facebook or Twitter people people find it even more funny because they, they it, it catches them off guard. But uh, You find the yes, best qu- gift to respond to people. When, when there was a, something on this, on one of my threads and you had the perfect gift where you're like shaking your head, no, 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 like that. It was so funny. I went back to that post over and over again and I was thinking, you know, I mean, we've met. I, I know you're that stoic guy. You don't have any picture of smiling at all any place. I've scoured the net for them. So um, I really, you know, I, and of course, when we met at BoucherCon, you were standing next to poor Bruce Coffin, who was, you know, a lot taller than you. Not that you're not a tall guy, but he's just abnormally tall. So his face was in the dark and you were standing there like you were arresting him. It was a really great picture. Did you see that? I did, yeah, and that's yeah. one of the few times I feel felt short, but um, yeah, yeah, I can't. Because you're not all short. I could, yeah. I, and then I, yeah, you know, I saw that picture, and then all I could all I could hear was Jennifer Hillier's voice going, "Come on, smile, guys," because she always gets on. You know, Jennifer Hillier, obviously. Yeah, yeah. She, and she's obviously. just she's always on my case about never smiling. So, um, so the, right. yeah, that I could just hear and hear, Bruce hear is her laughing all the time. Bruce has a, a good grin on his face all the time. So. Um, so you've got your next book written. I'm assuming that Trevor is is going to be in it. You like writing this character. He seems to have a lot of story left to tell, not only about his investigation business, but about him. There seems to be a lot more that we're going to learn about him. Is that true? Yeah. Or are we yeah. seeing pretty much the worst of it right now? I've I've made a conscious choice with him. Um, he's going to be a dynamic character that changes with the books um, because I had to make a choice with when I decided this was going to be a series, whether he was going to be Jack Reacher and he was going to be the same character in every book and right. not change throughout the series, or if I was going to let the events of each book change him and let him be a real person and and he's going to be a real person so um he's going you know the the events in bold action remedy changed him the events record scratch will change him and the events in the next book will change him and uh he's going to it's not going to be like 
you know, episodes of NCIS where Mark Harmon's character just never changes. Um, it's right. it's going to be it's going to be more more true to life, and we'll see how that plays out. But it, it's so not, it's not going to be. So he's going to have you, some joys as well as have some sorrows. We're not going to see yeah. just this guy slowly sinking into a depression and never having anything good in his life happen. Right. No, he's uh, he's going to have a you know real life ups and downs, and and uh, it's not going to. I mean, if you, you've read all my other books, and yep. I try to avoid, I try to avoid the expected. So, um, well, you definitely do that. I will say that. I will say that. Tell everybody where they can find you on the web, please. Uh, I am on Facebook. Um, it's Hensley Books, I believe. Uh, and I'm on Twitter, JJ Hensley Author. And I am on, I've got, a, oh, I've got a, a, I changed my blog name. It is now because people in Pittsburgh like to say Yens instead of y'all. So it's from Yens to y'all, or Yens to y'all is my blog name. <laughs> Um, Yens? Yens? What does that mean? I never knew what your blog meant. Oh, I never knew what the hell that meant when I was in Pittsburgh for 10 years. Um, (laughs) Yens is the, it is the equivalent, it is the Pittsburgh equivalent of y'all. So they say Yens, Y-I-N-Z. And so since I moved from Pittsburgh to Savannah, my blog is now Yens to y'all. And um, funny. Then uh, I, I have a website, uh, www.hensley-books.com. So I, if, if and I'm on Goodreads, I'm like I got an Amazon page. If you Google me, you find me. It's not hard to find you. That is true. Uh, JJ Hensley, the book is Record, Record Scratch. It is an awesome book. You're going to really enjoy reading it. Um, I want to thank you for coming back on the show. Uh, I expect to hear from you again. I want to see how Trevor changes over the years since, um, well, you've written him already, but I'm curious to see what happens. I wish you and your family a happy holiday season, and um, I'm sure we'll be chatting on social media. Absolutely. Okay. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. J.J. Hensley, thank you so much for being with me, J.J. No, thanks for having me on. Okay, bye-bye. And that's my show for now, folks. I'll be back at 7 o'clock Eastern with another new writer. Thanks for being with me, and thank you, Mom and Dad. 